Our reality is but a dimension, the uppermost layer in a tower of mirrors. Beneath it are the many reflections cast by our reality, similar but not entirely the same. A staggering number of worlds, lands beneath a dark sun, a world of three moons forsaken by the gods, realms long forgotten, and countless thousands more. You are about to enter one such reflection, a world still recovering from a magical apocalypse, a place where magic is regulated, goblins trade their wares throughout the lands, and the north is dominated by giants. Today, the sun rises over Hymirin and the Wilderin. This is An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. And now, Chapter 17 of An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. The woman in white passes long way and smiles, giggling. I'm no spirit, and passes by him. Madri, you said you were going to inspect something? Madri is going to walk and inspect the entire center tablet tile area here. This drawing on the tiles. Uh, He wants to see what it is, what it depicts, if he recognizes it. Roll investigation. Yeah, no, that's a three total. That was the quickest addition you've done all week. It's plus zero. (laughs) We were still going to give you time. I know. (laughs) I might have needed it. You cannot make out anything on there. You have no idea what this is supposed to represent or depict. It's a map. He's uh, definitely still shaken by the havoc wrought on Dash's body and Earring's body. And the child. Earring is laying down in the sun next to the child, and he begins asking for the woman in white's aid. Almost prayer-like. Earring almost sounds confabulated, delusional, and then a pair of feet appears by your head. White straps of leather almost making up a sandal. The woman kneels down beside you, the blood stain on her hip, evident. Earring looks up and points to the child. Please help her. She steps over Earring's prone body and kneels by the child for a while, investigating the claw marks. She looks up and says, I think the child will be well. She appears to be dormant, but she requires the aid of someone of a different skill set than I. I can heal the body and the spirit. I cannot heal hers, though. We have to take her to the grove, don't we? I do not know. When she would speak to us, she would point to the east and say, Oma. I'm unfamiliar with this area. Have you been following us? I have. Who are you? Curious I was about you, for I have watched you for a while. There are not many of our kind left in this world. I was pleased to see that there was one other besides me. I finally find someone like me, and I shot her in the leg. Yes, you did. I'm still upset about that, if you must know. I'm very upset with myself about it. Despite his erring, is there any way you could fix him? His wounded body, perhaps. His judgment, I do not know. I don't expect you to be able to fix his judgment or his pride. 
but his body for now will do. Death will take him soon. Will it be painful? I'm certain. Earring, do you need me to help you pass on? What? (laughs) In the battlefield, it's better to pass on than it is to endure the torture and pains of mortal wounds. I will have you dispatch your friend when the time comes. I'm going to try to save him first. Dash crawls a little farther away from Longway. Mokui picks up Dash and brings him over to where Earring is laying and the child. The woman rummages through her bags for a moment and draws out a small kit. She opens it, takes out one leaf with five spiky points on each one, looks at Mokui and says, I need you to find more of these. Take the leaf and go now. I take the leaf and I go. Madre, if you stay with the group and protect them, I'll go with Mokui to make sure he's protected as well. I can do that. I was going to go grab the rest of our kit. I'm not understanding any of this tablet. That's fine. But in the meantime, we have several of our group that cannot fend for themselves. And I don't don't know the capabilities of this woman. She obviously can't dodge arrows. So if you stay here (laughs) and keep an eye on the group, I'll keep an eye on Mokwe. And if we happen to be in that area, I'll gather the gear. I'll stay with them. But if Madri gets attacked, he's going to go down. Almost inevitably. (laughs) (laughs) Then you get another silver. (laughs) We're good. (laughs) Okui and Longway leave in search of the leaf with the five spiky points at the end of it. She yells, I will need much of it. And off I go. Please don't come back with poison ivy. She begins to undo your breeches and looks at you and says, don't get any ideas. And exposes the wound, which is quite vicious looking. It looks infected. Pus is beginning to run. The small tendril-like veiny things are running across the entirety of his thigh. She reaches into her kit and pulls out a handful of those leaves, packs them in her mouth so her cheeks are bulging. She draws out a piece of leather, spreads it on the ground, and after chewing for a while spits the contents of her mouth into her hand and places them on the leather. She begins to add other liquids and some berries to that and wraps Earring's leg tightly with the concoction. This should draw some of the wickedness out of your body. Thank you. But I haven't much more left. I will have to await your friend's arrival for your other friend. How is it you're able to transform fully into an animal? I've never been able to accomplish that. Were you raised by our kind or were you raised by others? Others. That is why. Make a survival or a nature check, whichever you prefer, Oakley. It'll be survival. 13. You were able to harvest a few of those leaves, but can't seem to find any more plants of that type. I rolled a nat 20. With my nature, that's a nat 20. You see, long way standing next to a rather large bush of those leaves as you pluck the last of the leaves off a tiny twig. I'm not too sure what I'm looking for, but this kind of looks like it. I'll hold up a leaf and that's where I was going to be looking next. Thank you. And I'll harvest as many as I can off of that bush. Before long, the bush is devoid of leaves and you have a pile of leaves packed into your pouch. You return to the mound where she has Dash rolled over on his stomach and is pulling his furs and leathers up over his head, coughs wetly, a gout of blood welling forth from this grievous wound on his back. He's obviously babbling feverishly 
as he moves his hands toward the buckle of his breeches. He's scrambling to reach backwards to apply pressure to the wounds on his back. Using a torn piece of one wing, his lips chutter forth with rantings about flying and an ancient birch. I fear, without more potent magics, he'll be dead soon. Quick, bring me the leaves. I bring her the leaves. She nods in approval, grabs a handful, and says, I will need both you and your friend to begin chewing some of these leaves. I will begin chewing. Do you have teeth? Nope. And I have nothing but needle-sharp teeth. Nothing nothing to grind with. (laughs) Aaron points to Moqui and lets the woman know that he's poisonous. She holds her hand out. Give me the leaves then. (laughs) I give her the leaves. She begins to pack them in her mouth and chew on them and again places the chew contents of her mouth on top of that leather that she rolled out. She adds more things from her pouch and begins to grind them and then begins to place them all over Dash's back. I'll chew the best I can. Dash weakly holds up a hand. Earring, I don't look like a Sprite either. (laughs) And then he loses consciousness. She asks you to monitor Dash for a while and she goes over by Earring, lays her hands on the wound, begins to chant something. Very... Not a prayer you're used to hearing, nothing solemn like a prayer. It doesn't appear like she's calling to any deity. Instead, it's more of a chant. She emits a vibrant glow from her hands that spreads across Earring's thigh, and then she gets up and says, perhaps he will be well. I will administer more to him later. Watch over your friend. I will. I will need some time with your fairy. Okay. Earring, you regain 16 hit points, but are still unconscious. She moves over to Dash, bows her head slightly, and kneels down beside him. She puts something in his mouth. You're not really too sure what it is, and he grows very, very still. You're concerned that he might have passed. I'll just glance around the area for underneath a tree or so. It looks like it has soft enough dirt to dig a grave. She lights an incense. There's this pungent odor in the air, and she begins to dance about him funeral rite. I'll let her continue her funeral rite. Chanting while she does so, it becomes almost frenzied as she dances around your friend and then she drops to one knee, places her hands on Dash's back. In a moment, her hands begin to glow and begin to glow even brighter after a while as the chant, it's a crescendo and there is almost a brilliant flash of light and Dash, you regain 15 hit points. Dash babbles a little bit, still feverish. She stands and she walks towards you and says, I think they will both live. I thank you, Lady Spirit. If there's anything I can do for you, don't shoot me. I I would not. Unlike Aring, I am familiar with seeing spirits through the woods. I'm no spirit, warrior. I'm a being of this world just like you and your friends. What's your name? The people of the Wilderin often call me the Lady of the Woods, the Nature Guardian, but you can call me Celine. Celine, I am Madri. Nice to meet you. Thank you for saving our friends' lives. You're welcome. Do what you must here. I will watch over your friends, but do not stay long. Stay only long enough to make sure they can get up and move on their own power. So while you're here and your friends are resting, 
What are you going to do? I'm going to head back out and gather our gear, our tents and everything that we left behind before it gets dark, bring them back here. And if I be prepared to set up the tents over them while they're unconscious and healing, just in case the weather turns bad again, if not, then we'll be fine. But it does look like the weather's going to be turning bad. I'll set them right up here on this, this piece of stone. Madri? Madri's going to go around the area and search for firewood and he's going to set up small fire sites around the outside of this uh, stone tablet stone dais that we're on at you know regular intervals. Moqui? I'll be checking on both earring and dash and in between I'll be looking to see what's drawn on this platform. Arcana investigation 19 which one was that? Arcana or investigation? Investigation. It appears to be a large tree depicting the canopy of the tree and roots that go deep into the earth. In the center of it is a symbol. Atop the canopy are also a few symbols. The only thing you can ascertain that from investigating the the dais is that it is a tree. Would require an arcana check for anything else. I'll give you an arcana check. 16. You recognize the diamond-shaped symbol with the dot in it as the symbol for magic. It is placed at the bottom of the tree where the roots are. The roots spread wide around it. On the top in the canopy, it shows Hymerin and the twin moons. I'll make note of that and just make sure I keep checking on earring and dash in between. After a few hours... Longway returns with the gear. The woman pulls Longway aside and says, you should probably begin to leave. The forest is full of these things at night, and it will take you quite a while to get through this particular portion of the forest. I will try to rouse my friends then, and by your leave, my lady, we will try to get going as quickly as we can. I will assist you as far as I can go, and then I will take my leave of you. I'm going to go over Mokwe. We need to rouse them, and we need to get moving. Okay. I, don't, I don't think another night here would be beneficial. I'm not sure how good Earring and Dash and the child are going to be. I don't if, think we have a choice. I'll carry the child. I'll carry whom? All of us. For an hour. For an hour, that, that's good enough. Okay. And I will try to rouse them, at least get them to the point where they're mobile, if not quick. And I'll allow Mokwe to do whatever Mokwe is going to do. Earring seems to be recovering quite well. Dash is still a little feverish, but he is calmed considerably. In the time it took for her to administer aid to Earring, Dash grew steadily worse, but now he appears to be stabilized. He is bound tightly in bandages across his chest and back. Once we get him, to, we're going to have to make sure that everybody holds on, and I'm going to wild shape into the rhino again. I'll hang on the Dash and the... Uh, an acorn, if you hang on to earring. I'll make sure to hang on to earring. I feel like we're missing something here. I know that it just, Matthew's just got this feeling that we're supposed to be doing something here. We were supposed to gain information from this place, and we haven't got what we needed. What is, do you think we need? I don't know. We were told by Magia to come here to explore this place. To gain information, we would gain what we sought from this place. I don't think that Celine is what we were seeking. I think there was information that we... I just have that in the back of my mind feeling that we've missed something. Am I conscious or still unconscious? You're, you're starting to regain consciousness. You're feeling drowsy. 
So Madri steps back and he says, Maggie has sent us here for a reason. She specifically said that we needed to come to Chandelar, that there was information that we were supposed to glean from here. The only thing I found from here was this picture on this, this platform up here. And I'll point it out and I'll you know, walk up and down and show him the tree, show him the symbol for magic, the diamond at the bottom, and then up top I'll show him the two moons. And my circling of the area, there's another smaller circle in the corner over there that has a similar inscription in the stone. Perhaps you'd like to take a look at that as well. Let's go take a quick look at that before we head out. Would you, would you be able to help me with this? I will. Is there anything else in my... Because I've been doing a number of circumnavigations of the area. Is there anything else that I think they might want to look at? I mean, there's a few symbols on the gateway as we came in, but if there's anything else on the walls... On that side. On this side, over here, the facing me. I can't see the other side. I will point them out, but the only other thing I seen that was probably noteworthy was another smaller circle in the corner over there. And as Erie rises and, you know, hears the conversation and Drasley gets up and starts looking around, he's going to make his way over to these two columns. Okay. Erie begins limping his way towards these two marble stone columns, each with a flame-shaped crystal atop them. I'll go with them. I don't want anyone, especially injured people, to go and alone anywhere. And uh, Madri and Mokwi make it o- their way over to the smaller circle to investigate a little bit more and take a look at it. Sand and plant life has filled a gash in the rocky ground here, and the white pitted wall looks as if it burst inward. Beyond it tumbles stone, ornate pillars, also of white stone, and a crushed far wall tell a story of some calamity or attack. Rubble from that far wall spills onto the sand outside the building. The faint scent of ozone oddly lingers here. The battered and broken temple walls, all but the one by which you entered, are painted with a mural. They present strange dreamlike landscapes filled with what must be allegorical places, figures and objects, runes and golden leaf border each mural. One image features a massive tree tended by druids who carry long staffs. Inscribed on the mural is the word Oma. As you, Longway and Earring, approach the stone columns, the gems on the top, the flame-shaped gems, begin to cast a bright white light upon the walls, the shattered walls in front of it, highlighting the one circular mural that Madri and Moqui stand in front of. I draw my sword. So the mural next to us or under us starts to be illuminated by these two lights? Okay. Take a look at it again. You said, does this mural itself say Oma or? It does. Okay. And it's a tree? Yes. Of massive proportions. Druids are around it. I'm able to see this? Yes, especially now that the shattered walls are illuminated. Bring the child to the light. I'll go get Acorn. I'll run back, scoop up Acorn. I'll do the same with Dash. Cradle them both and head over towards the disc on the floor. He begins babbling the minute you pick him up. Where do you put him down? Well, I set him on the outside of the circle, but I'm going to put Acorn in the circle. The circle's on the wall. I thought there was one on the floor, too. If there's light cast by it, or, or light that is at least the same light that's illuminating the mural on the wall, I will make sure she's bathed in that light as well. You lay her down. The light falls upon her prone form, but nothing of consequence happens. The columns appear as though they are merely to light the walls. 
Uh, Madri's going to inspect it a little bit more, see if he can glean any other meanings. There's robed figures, very druidic in appearance. One of them is holding over his head a large object. He's got it in both hands. It appears to be an acorn, and he's presenting it to the tree. Would you look at that, Moqui? I'm looking. I'm going to inspect the columns that are shedding the light and the stone that is on. It is stone just like all of the other stone in this temple. It's a white and blue stone. The columns are made from the same thing. The crystals atop the columns, and these columns are very tall. They're almost two or three times your height. It's some sort of gem, perhaps. It is either casting or reflecting light. It's hard to tell which. I will step off of this part of the stone. The light is still being cast. I will make my way over to the group. I'll follow. You're already over there, aren't you? Well, yeah, I'll check to back here at the children. We don't see a tree of this proportion anywhere near us, do we? No. That's got to be our destination. Yeah, we should now. I think we have all we can get for this area. I don't see anything, like, scanning over it, running my hands over it. I don't see any buttons or anything like that. No. I think we've gained all we can. Actually, Madri's going to take out whatever parchment he has and draw a picture of it real quick. I was about to suggest that. (laughs) Earring is going to look around the ground and gather sticks and any kind of dried cordage and begin making makeshift torches. We are going to need these. And then do we want to mount up and boogie? Roll out. I'm going to gather up my quiver. Hopefully there's still 10 arrows in there. There's not. I have arrows for you. I I made sure there were. There, yeah. And if there's nothing else that I've seen in my travels to point out to anybody, then it's time to move. Mokui, what are you going to turn into? The rhino. We need a four by four. (laughs) (laughs) Mad returns to Mokui real quick before he turns into the rhino. Uh, and asks him about the center dais. What did you see in the center real quick? Uh, I'll go and describe it again. This is the tree. The diamond down there represents magic, and then the two moons. Two moons, and then there's... Okay. He makes note of all of that on the uh, paper parchment, and then boards the rhino as after you shapeshift. And I'll shapeshift. There's the crackling of bones, sickening. No matter how many times you hear it, it is still off-putting. There's a howl of pain from Mokui who begins to transform into this large, bulky creature. Before you stands a green rhinoceros. Excellent. Leather horse. I will jump up. Will you be so kind as to pass me acorn and dash? Acorn and dash get passed up to a long way. I'll sit them side by side in my lap so I can put my arms around them. And then we'll have, uh, we'll help earring up and... Put him behind me and you behind him, and that way he's sandwiched. A little bit larger and a little... A little more difficult to catch if he starts leaning one way or another. Big old family sandwich. That's it. Don't come back, you bloody badger. Is Celine still there? Yes. Uh, is she coming with us? She says she will follow you as long as she can, but then must take her leave. Where exactly do you live in the Wilderin? I live in the Wilderin. I live everywhere. So do I. I know. But if we were to make it out alive, where might I find you? If you are to make it out alive, you can find me outside Forest Glen waiting. Time to move, Leather Horse. And I start off in a light trot. She jogs alongside of you for a moment and then begins to gradually transform into a white doe. 
and leads you to the forest edge. Within 20 minutes, perhaps a little bit longer, you make it to the edge of the of the city and then into the dense forest. You go as long as you can in that form before you have to shed your cargo and turn back into your normal self. From what I saw yesterday evening, another few hours of travel should take you out of danger. Out of this danger, anyway. What dangers lie ahead, I cannot tell you. Dash begins to gain consciousness. Good shot, Acorn. Aim for the pupil. Oh, we go. You're still in a great deal of pain, but the cold is gone from you. Celine drops to one knee and said, I did my best to save you, Dash. I am pleased that you did not pass through the veil. I have you to thank? Yes. Reach out, take a hand, bend low, give it a little peck. Thank you very much, my lady. Tears begin to well up in her eyes, and she places her hands on your shoulders and says, Don't thank me too soon. I had to take your wings. <gasps> you feel the bandages and the nubs where your wings were. And I collapse in a pile, sobbing, pounding my fist. She watches you for a moment, and when it appears as though you are done, she bends bends down and says, when it is time, you will know what to do with this. And she reaches in her shirt and pulls out a small pendant and puts it around your neck. And then she gets up. Grab the pendant, pull it up to look at it. She looks at everybody and says, farewell, best of luck to you. I hope we meet outside Forest Glen. As do I, and I hope your shot isn't as true this time. I won't be shooting next time. And she turns from you, gives you a wink, and then turns into a white doe and bounds into the forest. Dash, you sit there with tears streaming down your face, washing lines through the dirt in your face, and you look up at the pendant, and it is golden on a very thin silver chain, and it has an eagle on it. Dash smiles, nods, kisses the pendant, drops it inside of his purse. I call out, thank you, guardian spirit. Celine? Earring is going to, once we're off of Moqui the rhino, Earring is going to, in the very immediate area, collect sticks and branches and dried cordage and anything you can find to make makeshift torches. She began gathering all manner of dried, dead vegetation and sticks and twigs and branches and the whatnot. If necessary, we can cannibalize one of the tents. Or the cloth for your torches. That is true. I also have torches. I also have a few torches left. Also true. A torch lasts an hour. The evening lasts considerably longer. Very true. true. Should we get going? Yes. And I'll take point once again and head off. I will carry the child. You walk for perhaps a few more hours more. The dense forest opens up into a less dense area where you see several standing stones... Just the sight of them is enough to harken back one's thoughts to the very beginnings of civilization. Raised perpendicular to the ground by the labor of strong backs and basic machines, each stone seems to have a personality. They seem animate beings with gravity and mass, every stone staring across to the others and into the center waiting for someone to step in to enter this architecture of cosmic orientation. Going to have to check it out because everything like this is, even if it's not significant to our particular journey, is significant nonetheless. At least we don't own a map of this. 
It'd be best if these things were documented. I agree. I look over to Madry. Let's go check it out. And we've been hiking for several hours to give everyone a chance to... Catch their breath. Catch their breath and work the cramps out of their legs. Maybe and, it's Gora's home place. And I would like to check Dash's bandages to make sure that there's none, nothing's come loose or if they need changing. Gorham's on the other side of the veil. Who's investigating the stones while Longway is checking Dash's bandages? Both Mokwe and Madri. Investigation. 17. One. There has been such a prolific <laughs> spattering of, of ones. It it feels good. Because <laughs> every time someone does that, he grins from ear to ear. Just imagine Scott coming in at nighttime, touching all of our dice, <laughs> rubbing the ones off. Every time he says, wait one minute, I'll be right back from the bathroom. <laughs> I put them under my pillow at night. <laughs> Madri. You notice that each one of the standing stones seems to have the same tale written out in different languages. You don't understand all the different languages, but the ones you do tell the same tale. It is in a form of common, although it does appear old and slightly different than the one that you're used to speaking. There's Balanasi and Old Dwarven and all manner of languages. There are some you don't even recognize or understand. Edger reads this tale. It's it's a record of the history of these beings called the Hymure. The Hymure were trees of massive size that fed the world of Hymurin. They were sentient beings that were every bit as alive and aware as people, perhaps more so than your average citizen of the world. Their roots dug deep into the very planet of Hymurin and transferred magical energy of the world from one area to another. They were the source of magic for the entire world. The oldest of the Hymure was a being called Oma. She was the grandmother, that being that is commonly thought to have given birth to the very world. Created by the gods themselves, she grew Hymurin from her roots and gave birth to the other Hymure. There's other tales of the passing of a Hymure, a seed that must be presented. There's depictions of seeds traveling across Hymurin to these various locations, large acorns carried by holy people. All right. Madri again takes out another piece of parchment and scrawls this down best he can, writing down the uh, tale and then relays it to the rest of his group. Uh, is there anything in this set of ruins that instructs where to go or points a direction? All it depicts is a grove with several, for lack of a better term, druids that appear to be tending to these Hymere. Does Earring hear this or did you say... No, he did, he did say he was relating it to the group. Yeah. Okay, Earring will point to the east and say, Oma. Okay, let's... Are we camping or taking no, a we're rest? No, we're just resting for a short while. Okay, short rest. It looks like we're on the right direction, though. Definitely looks like we've gotten good indication that we are finding where we need to go. As I'm waiting for everyone to rest, I'm going to take a look at these stones, just out of curiosity more than anything else. I don't expect to divine anything because this is not my particular forte. There's I, nothing to divine. You can find a language you understand. Interesting. Dash? I'm going to... 
see if it helps any while we're on this short rest to blow a hit dice or a recharge. If you want to, you certainly can. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use a few. Well, that's a three. But does that modify at all, or does it? Th- do I get the three and everything back? And the con. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just making sure that yep. the, the the slower healing was over with. Yes. Earring looks completely healthy. As you're inspecting these stones, you there's languages on both sides of the stone. You find one that's actually written in an Eastern tongue. I'm curious about how old it is because we use an ancient language that's referred to as primordial. I know how to read and write. It's one of the ones that our elders use and as far back as we can remember, that's been like the base language for all our languages in the East. I'm gonna see if I can find that there. I would find it puzzling if I did, but. You are able to read most of this. It does appear very similar to primordial with the exception of maybe being a little bit older and slight differences in the dialect that you are using. But it does tell the tale much in the same way as Madri recalled it. One thing that you do make note of is that there's no mention of any child. There is simply the depictions of the the seed, which is a giant acorn. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's a problem we'll probably have to deal with when we get there. Nobody else ever thought of twisting the cap off. Oh, I'm sure they did. They just (laughs) resisted the urge to tamper with an ancient relic. But there's nothing that can be done about it. It's already done. Moving on. (laughs) We'll just deal with it when we have to deal with it. And once it looks like everyone's up and ready, I will patiently wait for them to gather back up. Most of you feeling much better now. Do we want to take this time while we're resting to savage one of the tents, even if we just use the flaps, to create a couple more sturdy torches other than just a bundle of sticks. Yeah, that sounds good. As you're destroying your tents and transforming them into torches. We'll, we'll use just the flaps for the time being. Earring, you feel a hand on your thigh. Dash. <laughs> I'm over here. It is It is the child. She is curiously looking at your thigh that had the injury in it and looking up to you questioningly. You're better now? She nods. In the affirmative. I examine her wounds. They appear to have been healed and scarred over much in the same way that damage to a tree trunk would be. Oma. She looks at you and says, Oma, and points east. All right, still to the east. It's good to see you back on your feet. And then she stops and she points to one of the columns and says, Oma. Which column? The one directly in front of you, the closest to you. All right, I read it. There is a a tree on there. The language is not familiar to you, but the the tree, the depiction of the tree is very similar to the ones that you saw in the temple in Shindalar. Can anybody read this column? I'll give it a try. I'll take a look as well. You did ask for everybody. Arcana. Sure. 18. I'll let you know once I put on my glasses, I have no chance of seeing it otherwise. Uh, Arcana would be a, oh, plus zero, 19. An additional plus zero, 17. Madri also gets a 17. So this is a, a language similar to the Valanasi language, and it recounts the tale of the Hymere, and just as was relayed to the party by all those reading the columns. So it's not necessarily that column she's referring to. She's referring to the story, probably. Well, the picture. The picture. Oh, the picture, yeah. Acorn, can you read this? 
She cocks her head to one side, questioningly. I'll take that as a no. Take a finger and point to words and say the words. Can you do that? Can you do that? Back up three feet. Did you just speak without speaking in our heads? Speak? Yes, that's what that's called. What yes, you're doing. that's what that's called. What you're doing. And then she cocks her head to one side, I smiling. Don't, I don't know if that's more eerie than speaking in our heads. <laughs> After traveling Dash. all this time with her, and all of a sudden she's speaking. Dash smiles and claps. Congratulations, another milestone. She looks to Earring and blinks twice. We should get to the east. Let's go. That's Boogie. Ancient stories and talking tree. Okay, have you figured out how you're going to explain your transgression? We no longer have the acorn. We have the That's child instead somebody of the gave acorn. It away. And now the child's damaged. Child's not damaged. Child's fine. Okay, I'll take that as a no. And I will start marching away. Scars just add a little bit of flavor. Storytelling. So you continue to the later part of the afternoon, and you've gone as far as you could go before it becomes pitch black. The night is a lot clearer than it has been the last few. Going to try to find a spot we can make a camp as defensible as possible, a large tree, a rock outcropping, anything we can put our backs to if worse comes to worse. There is a large tree that appears to have fallen, leaving its roots in a large root ball of dirt and other debris as a massive wall. That will work. It also good as it work as a good reflector for the heat of a small fire. So you set to making camp mm-hmm. and setting out your bedrolls, gathering firewood and the such. Watches as usual. This is a wall. Yeah, it's the, the root cluster. When a tree topples, it usually leaves a relatively flat, high wall where all the dirt and rock has been embedded into the root clusters. We should set up our sleeping bags against that and set the fire out. We can do that. That way, any of those spirits try to come close, it'll make it more difficult for them. Or, any, or anything else for that matter. I'm going to take out my dagger and start carving a tiny little shelf into the dirt wall. And then climb up onto it and go immediately to sleep, because I'm third watch. Is your dagger sheathed? Yes. I'm not going to cut the tree. I just want to, like, knock rocks and dirt down. I don't want damage to the blade, either. As you pull your dagger out of the sheath, a very tiny piece of paper rolled like a scroll falls out onto the ground at your feet. Pick it up, and hopefully I'll be able to read it. As you unroll it, all it says is, one does not always need wings to soar, Dash. Aww. Look up. Take a quick glance around in all directions, see if there's anything wait. Go, thank you. Then he climbs up into his dirt shelf. And that's where we'll leave it this week. Join us next time as the adventure continues on An Acorn's Journey, a DMD story. Thank you to our cast, Frank Whedon, Ben Petrie, Bill Robitaille, Louis Aponte, Sin Morse, and your DM, Scott. A special thanks to you, our listeners. You are why we do this every week. We'll see you next time in the dojo.